are so good and you are so much bigger than we are and so much smarter than we are and so much more everything than we think that we are. God, thank you for that because if we were in charge, we'd mess everything up. Lord, you take control of the battle and you take control of everything. And God, we ask that in this time you take control of our hearts and of our minds and that we don't focus on all of the things that we have dwelled on all week, Lord, and we just take a moment to dwell in you, both for your own worship and both for the power and the love and the comfort you want to give to us in those moments of stillness. Lord, thank you for who you are and thank you for your mightiness and please be with John as he brings the message that it is not his words, but yours, Lord. Thank you for everything that you do in this man and we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Turn in your Bibles, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Before I start, um, also you'll, you'll notice we did make a little change this week in, in the worship guide. Uh, it's actually a foldable thing. Um, it is. Um, I hope it's pretty. Uh, but on the back is kind of some announcements, uh, blessing bags, information, books that, that we're kind of reading through, that, that I'm reading through. Um, also, um, in the middle, you'll see three sections, main theme, text description, and corporate and personal application. That's every week. That's going to be kind of, if you want a point, there's your three points, and there is no poem. And so... Um, but there are your three points um, this week and every week. Also, before I start, let me say this. I read an article this week by uh, a group called the Gospel Coalition. The Gospel Coalition is, is a non-denominational uh, group of writers that writes about solid theology, solid church life. Uh, um, and if you, you want to read some good stuff, I would recommend you read some good stuff. I'd recommend you go to the Gospel Coalition and read. They've got things from worship to, to youth ministry to prayer life to all kinds of, of things, that, uh, political life, everything that you can imagine. Uh, they've got uh, men and women of God writing on those things. But one of the articles I read this week said this. It was talking about prayer within the church when the corporate bodies gather together. And, and the article basically said two things that spoke to my heart. One is we quickly pray in church services. We, it's kind of a side note. And in that, we teach our kids and we teach new believers that quick prayer and um, simple prayer is, um, is just kind of the lifestyle. And they said Jesus didn't do that. Jesus spent significant time in his ministry and his life in deep prayer with the Father. And so said take time in your worship service and make prayer a priority second thing in the article it says this it says yes in an american culture that we we've kind of condensed a worship service to about an hour hour and 10 minutes and they said that's got to stop with an american culture because across the world jesus needs more and the church needs more than an hour an hour and 10 minutes together so slow down and look to jesus and if that means stretching or changing your worship styles or worship length because uh, you've got multiple services change those so your people can experience the depth of jesus and it just transformed me because every week i walk out of here and i'm thinking man we went a little too long and it just hit me that that's not what is going on around the rest of the world you begin to really look at it most theologians and church historians believe that Paul the Apostle's average sermon length was four to five hours. Yeah, there was no lunch reservations. 
you showed up to church, you showed up to Paul's teaching, you were going to be there a while. And if you fell out of a window because you fell asleep, you were going to get uh, condemned for that. You were going to get uh, blasted for that by Paul. He was going to go wake you up and say, get up, stop, you can't die, I'm not done yet. That's what was... No, I'm not going to do that. I can't do that. And thankfully, we have no windows you can sit in because it wouldn't take five hours. It would probably take five minutes and everybody would be asleep. But I say that to say this. If we want to be God's people, then it's going to take more than an hour of worship a week corporately to transform the way we live. And it takes more than just two minutes in prayer and five minutes in and sermons or 20 minutes in small groups. It's going to take much more than that. It's all saying that. Here is your main point or thesis this morning. For this morning, when we walk out of here, this is what I want us to hear and understand is the point of this scriptural passage this morning. And I'm going to say it a couple times, and I'm going to say it slow this morning. The kingdom of God's power is seen and experienced with grace, serving slash service, and compassion, not with arrogant dominion of others. Let me say that again. The kingdom of God's power is seen and experienced with grace, serving slash service, and compassion, not with arrogant dominion of others or arrogant ruling over others. This week I did something um, that I haven't done in a while, and 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 I, I did it because I felt like I was there were some some things in sermon prep I was getting a little bit lazy with. It wasn't that I I didn't want to do it. It's just uh, time was consuming. But this week what I did is I went back and I translated. Um, all of this section of scripture that we're going to study this morning from Greek to, to English. I sat down on Monday morning for four hours and, and translated that. And I wanted you to hear my translation this morning. Not that it's um, greater or better than, than what we have, because it's not. Yes. I can say the thesis again. The kingdom of God's power is seen and experienced with grace, serving slash service, and compassion. Not with arrogant dominion over others or others. Nope, you're good. I, I'm, I'm good with that. Here's how I translated our passage this week. I'm writing you not to bring shame, rather to warn or exhort you, my beloved. For you have countless tutors or guides in Christ. Nevertheless, you do not have many fathers in Christ. For this reason, I have become your father in the kingdom of God. Verse 16, consequently, I call you to imitate me. This is the reason I sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord who will remind you of the course of my conduct in Christ Jesus. 
just as I teach everyone in, in all the gatherings. Moreover, some act like I'm not coming to you, but I have plans to come quickly to you if the Lord wills. And I will not learn, I will learn not the talk, but the inflated nature of their power. For, verse 20, for the royal power is not talk, but real power. Verse 21, what is on your mind? Should my appearance be with punishment or a rod or love and a spirit of gentleness? This morning as we walk through this passage of Scripture, we're, we're going to examine that main theme uh, of our Scripture passage. And we're going we're to hear what the original, um, what I believe the original hearers and readers would have heard. That's the first part uh, of what we're going to do this morning. And then secondly, how we apply that. And in this passage of Scripture, there's really two clear, distinct um, roles or positions that are, that are being made. First is, is the first thing that I want us to hear and see as we unpack this is this, how the, the tutors slash guides, instructors relate to the readers. And we're going to talk more about that here in just a second, but how they related, how these guides, these tutors, the instructors related to the readers, to the people of Corinth. The second is, is how Paul, the spiritual father, related to the, the church at Corinth, the readers. It's important that we understand that, that those two questions are going on because those are the two ones, that, uh, type of people that are influencing the church as a whole. You've got the instructors, the tutors, the guides, and then you've got Paul, the spiritual father. Those are the ones who are, who are, are uh, teaching and who are leading the people. So let's dive into the text, the scripture, this passage of scripture. And as we do that, I want to, I want to define two things. One is the tutor, guides, or instructors. We find that, that in um, verse 15, we find Paul says this, For you have countless instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. And the, the, the word there in, in the Greek for, for instructor, in which CSB in Interprets, I interpret tutor or guide as this. It's the word uh, paragahi. And it's a word that means this. It's actually, it's actually the name of a servant or a slave. And this servant or slave had a responsibility that was given by the father to this servant and slave. And this, this, this servant slash slave, this paragahi, was, was, to, um, was to watch the young boy. They were to raise the young boys. They were to, to guide the young boys. They were to walk with the young boys all the way up to marriage. So the young boys couldn't even walk out of the house, couldn't walk to the neighborhood market, couldn't walk across the street without these tutor and guides walking with them. The, the father ultimately gave them responsibility to raise their sons. So they had authority over the sons, but they had an authority that was given by the father. It's like, Katie and I uh, giving um, somebody authority to, to raise Jet. And, and we just say, hey, you take him for the next 18 years when he was born, and, and, and he, you're going to live in our house, but, uh, but the major influence in your life is going to be that person, not, not, not Katie and I. 
That's why I think guide or mentor is a better translation because if you think about instructor or teacher, it's kind of, um, there's not that mentorship that exists as much as a guide or a tutor. There's an intimacy with a guide or a tutor or a mentor. The second thing in here is, is Paul, the, the spiritual father, the father. The father here, uh, as we walk through this text, is, is the one who initiates um, the relationship, initiates the family as, as the father of the family, initiates the conversation here with the church of Corinth, and ultimately is the one who continues to preach the, the gospel to the people of Corinth. This is Paul. He's, he's their spiritual father. And so I want you to understand those two terms as we walk through this passage of scripture together so verse 14 Paul says I'm, I'm not writing this to shame you but to, to warn you as dear children in, in verse 14 here Paul is, is turning things kind of upside down on the tutors and the guides what Paul is, is saying here and doing here is, is kind of a backdoor indication he's kind of going by, back behind them in the way he's writing and saying hey um I'm not shaming you. The ones who are really shaming you are the tutors and the guides. Those who are walking intimately with you, they're the ones that are doing that. I, I'm just coming to you as your spiritual father to, to warn, exhort, to admonish you, to, to tell you what's going on, to, to say to you, you have strayed from the word of God. You have strayed from the command of God. You have strayed from God. They have led you in that direction. And I want you to know, I, I'm just warning you, don't continue down that road because it's, it's not a pretty road. But they're the ones who shame you. They're the ones who bring shame upon you. Because they, they're leading you down a road that is a road of destruction. And they shame you when you don't do what they want you to do. He goes on to describe that in verse 15 and 16. He begins to talk about them. He begins to, to point out to them, uh, to, to the readers um, of this, 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 this text of Scripture. He says this, Paul is pointing out to the readers that they have a great number of these guys. There, there's a great number of these, these tutors and these guys. The word actually here, the word countless, actually can be literally interpreted 10,000. That's actually what it means is 10,000. Now, I don't think Paul says there's 10,000 guides and counselors to the church of Corinth. I think what Paul is doing is he's throwing out this just massive number to say, hey, you've got so many guides and counselors that, that they're just they're walking with you, that they're, they're a lot more than I am. And, and, and he's not calling them bad. He's just saying, hey, you've got those. But you only have one spiritual father. That's me. You've got one person who, who came to you and walked with you and told you about Christ when you were in lostness. You had one person that did that. You had one person who gave up everything to, to come to you. That was me. I'm your spiritual father. I'm, I'm the one who, who, who gives the tutors and the guides the authority. As a matter of fact, most theologians believe and most commentators believe that Paul is probably the one who appointed these tutors and guides as, they, as he left. He, he had given them responsibility. Hey, because you have advanced in, in your understanding of, of Scripture, maybe they were of Jewish background, maybe they were, um, had a great understanding of the Old Testament and, and grasped the, the love of Christ and the call of Christ faster than anybody else. Paul gave them authority 
to kind of guide these people. And he says, you've got those people, but you don't have me. I'm not there right now with you. I'm your spiritual father. And he makes a statement in, in verse uh, 16 that, that just is, is absolutely amazing. He says, because because you've got many of those, there, there's something going on. I want you to imitate me. He says, verse 16, therefore I urge you to imitate me. I said, consequently, I call you to imitate me. What Paul was pointing out here is that, that something was going on. He, he didn't say to, he didn't say to follow after the, the and imitate the, the type tutors or guides, did he? He didn't, did he? He made a direct thing here. Imitate who? Who did Paul say to imitate? Me. And he didn't leave them hanging for the reason why. He, he didn't say, okay, just imitate me and then just moved on. He said, he went deeper into it and said, here's why you need to imitate me as your spiritual father. Look at verse 17, what, what he says. He says, he says this. He said, this is why I have sent Timothy to you. He's my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. But Paul was concerned here that, that the guides were, again, misguiding and misleading the church of Corinth. That they were moving them away from the true of the gospel, the, the faithfulness of the word of God. They, they, were, they were guiding them down a road that they should not be on. Let me give us a, a, an application example here. This would be something of the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. That, that, that it has some of the gospel in it, but it is not the full depth of the gospel. Because the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel says, if you are faithful to God, you will be blessed with monetary things. If you give, God will give much more monetarily to you. That the more faith you have, you will be healed. If you are not healed, it's because you do not have enough faith. What the gospel of Jesus Christ says and the word of God says this is, yes, if you give, if you serve, if you do as God has called you to do, yes, God will bless you um, more than you could ever imagine, but that may not mean monetarily. Matter of fact, that may mean something completely different. And it will be greater than any monetary gift that you and I could ever receive. And so Paul is, is, is addressing something like that. More than likely, they kind of moved towards Judaism a little bit. They, they moved towards where the Judaizers were at. And so Paul is saying here, he, he's saying this, he says, I've sent Timothy to you, who, who's my faithful son, who, who has, who is, faithful in Christ, and he, he has walked with me, he understands the gospel, and he has not erred or, or moved away from the depth and the truth of God's word. He just, he stands faithful. He's my beloved son who does that. And I'm sending him to, to you to tell you 
that everything I said to you, I say everywhere. Because my guess is the reason he said that is because there was probably some kind of discussion within the church of Corinth. To, you know, Paul said this in Philippi, and that was different than what, what he said here. There was some of that because they would have understood what was going on because they would have traveled around. People would have, would have been coming from different places, and they said, you know, Paul was here, and he said this. Well, he didn't say that here. And what, what Paul's doing is he's sending Timothy saying, hey, wait a minute. What I told you, I'm telling the church of Philippi. I am telling all of these places I've been. It's the same gospel, same message. I've preached the same thing week after week. And Timothy's going to come and he's going to tell you that's what I've done. He's going to say, do not believe them. Because what I have said to you, I have said everywhere. That's a good warning to us, is it not? That, it, that when we go to different places, when different people come in, if it's, if, it's a, if it's a different gospel or it has some differences in it, maybe it's not, and it, not maybe, but it's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. I read a book a number of years ago that said it was, it's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. But in that, it also said this, that, that anytime you add to or take away from the gospel, it transforms the gospel, and that's not the gospel. And that's what Paul's saying here. Is, is it, hey, what I've said is, is that. And these guys are leading you astray. And then he gets into verse 18, 19, and 20, and he, and he says this. He goes, now some are arrogant as though I were not coming. But I will come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I will find out not the talk of the power of those who are arrogant, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you want? Should I come with a rod or a love and a spirit of gentleness? Let, let, me, let me unpack that for just a second. So, so he's told him, hey, I'm, I'm sending Timothy, but I'm also sending Timothy, and he's going to tell you, I'm, I'm coming. And in verse 18, he says, now some of you are arrogant because you don't think I'm going to come. You're, you're assuming I'm not coming. You're telling people I'm not coming. But I'm coming, and I'm coming quickly. The word soon there is the idea, I'm coming quickly. But as Paul always does, Paul, Paul always leaves room in his ministry to say, but if the Lord wills something different, I'm, I'm going to do what the Lord wills. And so he says that if the Lord allows or wills me to, to do this, this is what I want to do. I want to come to you. I love you. I, I care for you. I'm coming, and I'm coming quickly. But if God, for some reason, wants me to be over here, I'm going to go where God wants me to go. But you have my heart. You have my life. And, and right now, I feel that the Spirit has given me liberty to come to you, and I'm coming quickly. So understand that. Well, that's, that's, that's something, right? How many of us, when we're, we were kids... When we got in trouble, we, we knew punishment was coming, right? And it's coming quickly, right? But if it doesn't come quickly, what begins to happen in, in our minds? We think, well, I'm not really sure it's going to come. What Paul was saying here is this, it's coming, and it's coming very quickly. I'm coming to you, and I'm going to come to you, and I, I am going to come with you, to you. Listen to what he says here. He goes, I'm going to come to you. With to find out 
what their talk is all about. And I'm going to come to you and I'm going to say, they're just running their mouths and they have no power. They have no authority. The, the Spirit of God is not upon them. But when I come to you, I'm coming to you with, with I translated verse 20 with the idea of royal power. I'm coming to you for, with the kingdom of, of God. I'm coming to you with, with real power, with the, from the power upon high, from God's throne, that kind of power. I'm coming, and I'm not going to just talk. I'm coming with the fullness of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see who's, who's full of it when I get there is what he's saying. I'm not just talk, he's saying. I'm, I'm, I'm what James says. I'm, I'm faith plus works. I'm, I'm coming, and I'm coming with the power. Now that, that should bring fright, I think, to, to us. When I read this this week, I, I, I went back in my mind, and because I'm, I'm a history person, I love history, I went back to uh, a, a distant past uh, to... Um, Communist Red China, Tiananmen Square. And those of us who are old enough to remember what that was, if you're not old enough, you can look it up on YouTube and it, it, it's there. And what it was is, is the, the Chinese people were, were protesting uh, the, the government. And, and they were, the government was coming in with tanks into Tiananmen Square. They were, they were driving tanks in, and there's an image of a guy standing there and, and this massive tank coming for him. It was China saying, hey, we have the power. And we're going to show you our power. Do you think, and the guy didn't move. Neither did the Red Army, the Chinese Army. It marched forward. The idea here is Paul saying this. You, you can have a tank. And you can come right for me, but what I have is significantly greater than that. I try to think of a superhero this week to, to point that out, but th there's no superhero that has all the qualities of the power of God. Because I could say Superman or I could say this or that, but there's something that's limited. So what Paul's saying is you can come with me with everything and talk, but I'm coming to you and you will not move an inch. And he closes out this section, out this chapter marker that we have in verse 20 with, with, with kind of reverting back to his thoughts in verse 14. He says, what do, you, what do you want? What's on your mind? Should I come to you with a rod or with punishment? Again, backdoor indication of what was happening with the tutors, the, the guides, the instructors. They were trying to keep people in line with, with punishment. Paul's saying, I'm not coming to you like that. I'm, I'm actually going to come to you in a spirit of, of gentleness and love and compassion. We all think Paul's pretty harsh, right? You read Paul's letters and they seem very harsh, and they are. But behind the harshness is a heart of, of love and compassion. As a matter of fact, if you read all of Paul's letters, only one of his letters doesn't start positive. Do you know what letter that was? It was the church, to the church of Galatia. It started out very harsh, and it never got better. Why? 
Because my guess is Paul had already warned them time and time again, and they hadn't got it, and Paul was tired of it, and there was no more Mr. Nice Guy. And he says, I- I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm bringing you the, this is it. If you do not do this, something is, is going to happen. Why did he do that? Because he wanted them to understand Christ. And so that brings me to the, to the end this morning. Brings me to our time of application. So to answer our two questions, how did the, the tutors, guides, instructors relate to them? Those were people who were more concerned about their own power, their own abilities, what they could do. And Paul was more concerned about Christ and loving them. And I want to say this to, to all of us and specifically to those who are under the age of 25. I want you to hear this. If you're under the age of 25, look at me. There are people who most people in your lives will be more consumed to have power over you and to control you more than they care about you and your benefit and your good. Most everybody will do that. There are those who I believe God has saved, and, I'm, and I hope this is the church, who care more about you and your future than they do their power. And here's how you determine what the truth is. Whether they're willing to serve you or rule over you. Because Christ and our people are called to serve, not rule over. That's what Paul was telling them. I, I served you as Christ served us. So here's the application. Our leaders, and here's four application points, and then we're going to pray and close. Our leaders, guides, instructors should be consumed with Jesus in every area of their life. And they should be men and women who are emulating the life of Christ. They should have a heart of service. Christ came to serve, did he not? For God so loved what? I'm going to preach this passage next week. A passage that is thrown out of context so much. But l- l- say it with me. For God so what? That he gave what? Son. Whosoever shall believe in him will have what? Everlasting life. We quote that so much out of context. Because in context, and I'm going to talk about this next week because I'm preaching both campuses. But in context, that verse was specifically talking to a man who needed to understand what real love looked like in Nicodemus. It, 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 it is a specific verse to a specific man. We need to have leaders who are willing to do as Christ did. Secondly, our, our and quickly, our actions and life should be the same at all places and all times. As Paul reminded the church that he was the same everywhere, we should be the same everywhere. So if adults, listen to me. Look at me, adults. Now, I've already gotten on to them or instructed them. I want, you to, I want you to hear me. If you're above the age of 18, I want you to hear me. We act the same here as we do everywhere else. What's Paul saying? I act the same. I speak the same everywhere. 
If I act like a Christian in church, I better act like a Christian out at the restaurant or out wherever I'm at. I'll act the same. So when somebody runs into me, they do not see me different here or there. They see me living and speaking the same thing. And so we need to do that. Thirdly, the power of a church or a person is not found in words or actions of themselves, but the power of the church is found in the word of God and the work of, of those who are in Christ Jesus. We should, we should do and look like what Christ did. He is one who gave, and gave all to serve all, and we should do the same. That Christ has called us to do that, and in that we, we are to imitate Christ. And that's what Paul was saying, I imitate Christ, so imitate me. And we should be able to say the same thing. I imitate Christ, so imitate me. And if my life doesn't look like Christ, guess what? Don't imitate me. And then fourthly, a spirit of gentleness and love is the heart of a Christian. Even as we correct. And I've been reminded of that just this week in my own life. When we correct, we do it with love and gentleness. Simply look at how Jesus corrected Peter at the end of the Gospel of John. It wasn't with a rod, but it was a simple words and simple question, do you love me, Peter? If you do, feed my sheep. Matter of fact, that straightened Peter out more than any kind of harsh word would have ever. It broke Peter. So may we do the same. And so as we have walked this morning through this passage of Scripture, may we remember and be reminded of what Christ has called us to do. It's a life of service, a life of gentleness, a life of love. Over and over again in the New Testament, we see Jesus exemplifying that. So we must repent of our harshness, our arrogance, our self-pride, our self-desire, and look more to Christ. Living the Christ life is what it means to live with the power of God. And in that, we see the kingdom of God's power is seen and experienced with grace, service, and compassion. Paul is saying, that's me. Not arrogant pride. That's them. And in that, now as he begins to address some other difficult topics in this book, because I don't care what century you're living in, when you begin to talk about sexual immorality, nobody wants to talk about that. But Paul's going to talk about that because he loves them. So, Father, I pray this morning that as we come to respond to, um, to your word, we would come this morning uh, with a heart of, of true repentance, that we would come not arrogantly, but maybe we need to come this morning maybe as a body maybe as individuals whatever it may be you may come to us and we may come to you and we may repent of that that we would have the kind of love the fatherly love that paul had that we begin to look at these kids and look at the, those who are coming into our body who, who who don't have church culture that we begin to love them as you've called us to love them not not to, to bring a rod upon them but to bring the heart and compassion of jesus christ that we would serve as Christ served. Thank you for the example that Paul was, that we, we are to imitate Paul because Paul imitated you. And so God, I'm, I'm asking that you, you break barriers here this morning, maybe break bonds, maybe break those things. God, if there is one who needs Christ this morning, that they would come to Christ. 
Because the reality is, is, Father, something's going on in their lives that's holding them back, and we know what that is, it's sin. But we know the power of the gospel is greater than any kind of, uh, any sin and any holy. And so, God, I'm asking that you break that bond this morning, that you do the thing that only you can do, and that you bring revival here right now in a mighty and awesome way. In Christ's name, amen. Stand as we respond, and, and here, here's my, my thought process to us as we respond. Our call as a body, my call as, as, as the teaching pastor over here, my call is not is, is not to, to evangelize, but to disciple the body of Christ. Because in discipleship, evangelism happens. Jesus didn't say go evangelize the world, did he? He said go what? Make disciples of the world. And that's what we're going to do. And so this morning, whatever God's doing in your life, if you need say, you know what, I need a fresh start. I'm not active as, as I should. I'm, I'm not one who, um, anybody should imitate me. I, I need a fresh start. You can pray there. You can pray here. here. Here's how I see a successful sermon. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, when I begin to see lives changed. Not how full an altar is. Although that's a good thing. But when I see a, a life that's changed, throughout the week, then I know the power of God is, is at work. And so you can pray there, you can pray here, but I pray that God is working.